I feel like it should go without saying that employer brand is important and useful and valuable and wonderful and, you know, gives you whiter teeth and rubs your back and tells you you're looking good when you're looking good. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. Got to go by. Just kidding. Just kidding. No. Uh, <laughs> the, the problem is, as it so often is with employer brand, is that we all get excited or we think, ooh, this would be great. I get to invest in my employer brand. I get to do some work on my employer brand. My company finally gets employer brand. We're going to do some stuff. Cool. And maybe you make a website. And maybe you get on social media. And maybe you make a video. And maybe you, I don't know, respond to some stuff on Glassdoor. Freaking finally. Um, maybe just do some stuff. Good for you. That's fantastic. That's super useful. Great. Did it help? Did it work? Did it do the thing you wanted it to do? Does it create value that your company expects it to create? <laughs> I know, and that's scary. That's terrifying. Uh, but that's what we're going to talk about today. Today, the question is ultimately, is your employer brand working? But really, ways to tell that it might not be. So uh, yeah, stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time for joining in, we do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better? And that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, we really do appreciate that. All right, let's get into it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Uh, further housekeeping, higher comp in New York later this month. Uh, recruit con in Nashville next month. And if, let's see, today is Monday. If you're in Chicago and you've got nothing to do, I think it's Wednesday, the 10th. That's all I know. It's on the 10th. Um, come find me. I'm going to be doing an event with Hired and I'm going to talk about how employer brand teams evolve. And if you're not in Chicago, don't worry. This is the kind of information we'll be releasing slowly with uh, my friends over the day job. So, uh, you know, you know, got to gotta do that stuff. And one last thing, because it's important and because it seems to be working and because people seem to be responding to it, yes, I have this newsletter. No, it's the newsletter. It's not the newsletter you get saying, hey, there's a new podcast. It's a whole different thing. It's just headlines about employer brand and some, let's call it, interesting thinking around them. So you should definitely subscribe. All the information you need is in the show notes, or you can just Google employer brand headlines newsletter. How hard is that? Anyway, here we go. So is your employer brand working? Is it? Is it? Are you sure? Can you be positive? Can you be 100% positive? Would you put, would you bet any money that it's working? Would you say, oh, I'm going to put all the money in my pockets and bet it against all the money in your pockets that it is, in fact, working? At which point, anybody who offers you that is a con man or woman, non-gender specific, uh, because what does working mean? How do you know an employer brand's working if you haven't defined what working means? What is the intention of your employer brand? Which is the beginning of every employer brand problem. We go, cool, the books say to do it. Books, sorry, what book? Uh, maybe my book come out soon, but not yet. <laughs> so there's not many books yet, a handful of them. Uh, but really, it's about all the blogs are talking about, all the podcasts are talking about. You got to get the employer brand. It's the cool stuff. Heck, Harvard Business Review and all these other websites and magazines are talking about. You got to get yourself an employer brand. Uh, great, I did that, but is it working? Well, the trick is, what did you want it to do? 
Now, we've talked earlier uh, previously about how to think about your employer brand, and the way I like to think about it is kind of in a two or three axis way, uh, but I don't want to get too geometrical here, but really it's very simple. The employer brand, the value of employer brand is simply to say how you differentiate your company jobs, opportunities, roles, teams, what have you, relative to other opportunities. Not other companies, but other opportunities. If you're a if you're a, a train conductor, what do you care what GE has to say? GE is makes trains. They don't give you jobs about being a train conductor, right? What are the other train conductor kind of gigs? Those are your other opportunities, your other competitive set. It's not about who makes the trains or who sells trains or who can spell trains. It's about where are those jobs. If you're a lawyer, you've got law offices, but you've got pretty much every corporation that ever existed. They use lawyers too. So your competitive set, your opportunity set is very, very big, but that's a digression. What? In this podcast? You're kidding me. It's true. It's true. I've had a lot of coffee today. It's uh, later in the afternoon than I usually record this, so this is good stuff. So the trick is the job of an employer brand is to differentiate your job, company, roles, opportunities from other opportunities. And how do you differentiate? Well, it's a multiple function thing. First, you got to be clear. If I said this whole thing with my hand over my mouth like that, if what I'm saying is genius and you don't understand it, how useful was it? You've got to be clear. Now, that's a metaphor. When we talk about clarity of message, we mean, are you trying to say 17,000 things at once, or are you focused about the, the ultimate reason why people are generally happy at your company? What is the crystal clear message, right? It's a function of clarity. And we've talked about that in webinars. We've talked about that in other places. Uh, if I haven't talked about it enough, I'm happy to talk about it more. But really, ultimately, you have to focus on, are you being clear? Step one. Step two. Are you being clear in a way that people can find it? Meaning, is your reach effective? Are you speaking to the people who need to hear that message? Are you getting in front of them at the point in which they're starting to consider you or looking for opportunities or open to opportunities or open to other companies to consider? It's a lot of words that meant the same thing and yet somehow none of them did. Interesting. English is an amazing language. Uh, and it is at times like these I'm, re I I'm reminded that someone once referred to me as the Deadpool of employer brand podcasting, which... I think there are maybe two other employer brand podcasts. So it's a weird, it's rarefied air. What can I say? But there you go. So you've got clarity and you've got reach, but there's one more piece. There's one more piece. Authenticity. Are you full of crap or not? Very simple. So those are the three kind of metrics, attributes you should be focused on when you're asking yourself, is the employer brand working? Because if any one of those things isn't working, your employer brand isn't working. So let's talk about how do you figure out if those three things are working? Because if you try to put them all together and say, is it working? Yes or no? It's tough. It's, it's, I always talk about the idea of it's the engine light on a car. When the engine light goes off on your car, it's not telling you that your oil is too hot or that you're something's going to break down or a belt's going to snap. It's just simply telling you something's wrong. You should investigate deeper. That's the job of the warning light. So a yes or no answer here is effectively just saying, is it working? Yes or no, but not going to tell you how it's failing if it's not working. So let's break it down a little bit. Let's look at those three different components, the clarity, the reach, and the authenticity to say, is this working? Or if it's not, where does the fault lie? So let's talk about how do you know if you're being clear? Now, I did this for, for a webinar uh, about a month for the day job, and um, 
a very, very smart person who's a friend of mine, hey, Tanil, how you doing, uh, asked the question, how do you know, how do you measure clarity? And it's an impossible thing. It's, it's, we're not here to measure the clarity. But you can, there's a couple of tricks you can use to see if kind of rules of thumb level, are you being clear? So for example, open up a couple job postings and look at the different claims you're making. Ignore the stuff where it says you have to have 17,000 years experience to do a thing. Ignore the part where it talks about this company's amazing purveyor and the world-class systems of blah, 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 blah. Talk about what claims it is that job posting is making. Will you be satisfied? Will you be challenged? Will you be happy? Will you be surrounded by happy coworkers? Will you be surrounded by a supportive team? Are you expected to bring your whole self to work and celebrated for doing so? Um, will you be pushed? Will you be developed? Will you, what are the claims you're making? So first off, are you making claims in job postings? Yes, you should. You should be. Please go do so. Um, and if so, are you making like 10 claims? Or are you making one claim? And if you're making one claim or you make it in a couple different ways to make it crystal clear this is what we're talking about, good. That's what you should be doing. Focus on what you're all about, your EVP, your employer brand, however you want to think about it, and let's not get into the nuts and bolts of that process. But are you being crystal clear around the claims you're making? Now, do the same thing for your career site. And the question this is, compare the two. The claims made on the career site and the claims made on the job postings, and let's get serious, the claims you make as a recruiter when you're having conversations, are they lining up? Uh, Angie Schottenmeyer, who is focused on the concept of how do you make a great landing page, not specific to employer brand, not specific to recruiting, but just in general. If you're trying to sell widgets, how do you make a great landing page for your widget? Uh, she had a great example. Open up your home page, close your eyes, maybe get some help with the typing in the keyboard, opening the web page, and kind of open your eyes and count to six and look at everything you can on that home page. Don't scroll, don't do anything, just you have six seconds to look at that web page. Close your eyes. Okay. Can you tell from those six seconds what this company is? Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, you saw a logo. Hopefully, you saw uh, a title. So, hopefully, you saw a company name. Okay, good, easy. That's a simple question. Question two, what does this company stand for or why would you want to involve yourself with it? And that's where things get dicey because most of our career sites, and I won't say your career sites because they're my career sites because I've had hand a, few, <laughs> a hand in uh, building quite a few websites too. So I'm as guilty as anybody. This isn't about casting stones, so to speak. This is about saying, look, we're all guilty of these things and sometimes we just need the occasional reminder from a guy who's completely full of coffee to say, uh, that's dumb or don't do that. And here I am. You're welcome, I guess. <laughs> I'm not drunk. I haven't said that in a while. Uh, but you got to take a look at your career site and do the six-second test. Can you tell immediately what company that is? Because that's the easy part. But then why would anyone want to click more? As we've talked about in a lot of other functions, the value of that beginning of your career site is not to get people to apply. The goal of the very top fold of your career site is to get people to want to learn more. That is it. Because there's nothing you can show on the top half of a folder career site that would make me or any other stranger you have never met able to say, yep, I'd love to change my life based on that piece of information. You just, just not going to happen. You need a lot of information. I need to know where the job is. I need to know where the company is. I need to know, do they make widgets or do they stand for something I find uh, horrible and, and anathema to my existence? Um, I have to learn, you know, can I bike there? Can I walk there? Can I drive there? Is there a train? Is there a bus? What's the deal? Is there remote work? Do they have good benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
you can't answer all those questions for everybody in the front page. You just can't. So don't try. The goal is to get people to read more, right? Uh, you know, when I talk about job postings, the goal of the job posting is not to get people to apply. The goal of the job posting is to get people to read the next line of the job posting. That's all. And once you get to the end, you go, okay, I feel like I have a good enough sense of information and I'm engaged enough to say, yes, I would like to consider applying. The headline, the title, the first paragraph does not get you to apply. It's there to get you to go to the next part of it. That's all. And your career site is no different. The headline on your career site is there to make me go, that's interesting. I'd like to read the first paragraph of the career site. Having read that career site, the purpose of the first paragraph is to get me to read the second paragraph, etc., etc., etc. Right? But if I can't see in six seconds the purpose and why I, why I should bother reading more, I won't. And I go bye-bye. And that means you're not working. So there, you're, so there's that, right? So there's that function of how clear are you being? How you can evaluate a recruiter, how you evaluate other stuff, that's, you know, we can divvy that stuff up. But you get the sense of, are you being clear? Are you making a claim? Is it crystal clear? Are you making zero claims? That's a problem. Or are you making too many claims? Also a problem. And how, they're great, congratulations. Now you know how to adjust. Make more, fewer claims. Great, that's clarity. Two, reach. Now here's where I'm gonna get technically specific. There are a number of job boards out in the world. I don't need to tell you that, do I? Um, but, and this isn't about what's the best job board, but in terms of evaluating an apples to apples comparison, there is no perfect answer. But for me, the best answer is, not a perfect answer, but the best answer is just to go to Google for jobs, right? Just go to Google for jobs, take a job title, not one of those specific uh, uh, Java developer three titles. I mean, just Java developer. I mean, nurse. I mean, uh, 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 office administrator. I mean, whatever. Give just a generic job title. Type it in. Pick the city you're in because let's make lives easier a bit here, right? And we're talking about specific contextual competitive opportunities. So if you're in Chicago with me, and why haven't you said hello, what's up with that? You don't care about a job in Vegas, unless you're looking to go to Vegas, in which case you're searching in Vegas, in which case you're not searching in Chicago. Simple as that, right? You're not, no one look for, looks for a job everywhere in the world. That's ludicrous, that's insane. There's a handful of people who are even trying and they're probably looking for something very, 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 very specific otherwise. So search for the job title in your area. What we're looking for is reach. And one of the ways you evaluate reach is to see how well you rank here. Not to say, and please put your angry keyboards away, this isn't to say that Google is the end-all be-all of all search information. It's pretty good, but it's biased, it's particular, it has its own way of doing things, and I embrace that. It's a bit of a black box, but I also understand that it's made by human beings and their biases enter into it, all right? If you do the things Google wants you to do, like, for example, post your salaries, you will rank higher. That's just what Google wants you to do. It's got an agenda, it's driving it forward. This is how it drives you forward. This is how it encourages you to be more transparent. Your ability to be transparent in that regard is 100% up to you. Yes, you might see more applicants, you might see slightly better applicants because you're being more transparent because your, your jobs are showing up higher uh, relative in a Google search. But right now, Google's still not driving all the traffic. There's still a couple of job boards that are driving more traffic. I don't know how long that will stay, but that's a whole other conversation. Let's not get into the job board conversation. But 
you can use this as a kind of a litmus test to say, how well are your jobs performing relative to other jobs? That is to say, where are you ranking? And Google has all sorts of data on its standard search engine to say that if you're not on the first page of results, you might as well be dead. Um, Andy Crestadina uh, used to say, where's the best place to hire a dead body? On page two of the Google search results, because no one goes there. And that's mostly valid, right? That's 99 times out of 100, that's pretty valid. Now, job search, because it's kind of an infinite scroll bit, there is no second page per se, as far as I can remember. I just know it scrolls on for a long, long time. That said, the farther you expect people to scroll, the fewer people are going to be willing to scroll. They'll, they'll hit something they like and apply, and you will lose them. So it's important that you rank pretty well. And how do you rank pretty well? Well, by having good language, by being in places where people look for jobs, because that's where Google jobs are. Uh, that's what they're scraping. Being on job boards, it's not about promotion per se. I think that's a, that's a cheat in this regard. We're not looking about, we're not focused on that. We're simply saying, are you reaching the audience you need to be reaching? Or does it turn out that you're looking, let's just use a electrician, right? Just for whatever reason. And you search for electrician, but your job titles are so convoluted and complicated, they don't even factor or even result in a, in a search result, so you don't show up. Well, guess what? No one knows your titles like you know your titles, so no one's going to be searching on them. Therefore, you don't rank. You don't show up. You don't exist. You have a bit of a reach problem, right? See, see what I did there? Now, there are other factors that enter into reach, right? You can focus on things like how many people are following you on LinkedIn, how many people, how much traffic do you get to your career site, all that other stuff. But I think to me, because you can't know how much traffic is occurring on another company's website, and there's a hedge there, we'll talk about that in a second, if I remember. <laughs> but generally, this is a great way to see how are your jobs performing in kind of a lens that a, a candidate would look through. They would look for an electrician job. They would not look for an electrical engineer technician three night shift, right? No one looks for that. I mean, most people, they don't. That's your terminology, not theirs. Now, I will throw an asterisk. I told you I'd come back. I'll throw an asterisk here. There is a tool called Alexa. Hold on, I got to test. Okay, good. The robot butler did not hear me say that. Um, it is a good way of doing a bit of an apples to apples comparison on web traffic so you can compare your website versus another website that said the tool will try to tell you how many visitors you've had and they've had their numbers will be wrong but they will be wrong the same way across the board right it's one of those things where the ruler might be might be wrong but it stays the same ruler so if you're one foot long even if it's a broken foot you're still half the size of someone who's two broken foot long, right? Simple as that. So you get an apples to apples comparison in terms of traffic and you can kind of see, hey, are people showing up? Now you have no way of knowing where those people are coming from. You know where your people are coming from if you go to your analytics and you should, you really should. You can see if it's social media that's driving. You can see if it's Google searches that are driving. You can see if it's job boards that are driving. You can see who and what is driving stuff to your website. And that allows you to say, okay, are we doing well? Are we getting people from, first off, do we have enough traffic relative to other companies? Great, yes, no, whatever. But then where's that traffic coming from and where are easy opportunities to expand our reach? Should we spend money to elevate and promote our jobs? That's a great question. Should we spend money to elevate and, and, and push out our information on social media? That's another great question. Should you put more stories on LinkedIn and Glassdoor? That's a great question. But those questions are a function of knowing that you have a reach problem. And if you do, those are the questions you should be asking. Third factor, authenticity. I'm not drunk, people. Stop claiming that I am. This vicious rumor must stop. 
This is my head 24-7, folks. Can you believe it? It's been a little while since I've had a public speaking gig. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I need a little bit of that to come out. Like I said, next week, looking forward to that. Anyway, your authenticity problem. Now, there's no good answer for this, but there are some hacks. Here is my favorite hack. If you're a company of any size, meaning if I go to Glassdoor and look you up, people are reviewing you, maybe not thousands, but certainly people, dozens, uh, are people reviewing you on the interview section? And I think that's important. I think that's interesting. I think it's an interesting opportunity for you to look and see how you're performing. We all know about Glassdoor, and we all know that it's a weird, warped metric for how useful your company is. And you go back to a podcast and see, you know, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, that Glassdoor is not a ratings of your company. It's a rating of actually your recruiters because recruiters who spin a whole lot of bullshit and get expectations out of joint and out of alignment of what reality is, those candidates tend to ding you and tend to leave one and two star reviews. Recruiters who do a great job of setting up proper and authentic expectations that are then met by the company, those people tend to leave really, really high reviews. So your reviews are a function of how well your recruiters are doing. That was a very simple, short way of doing a whole 20-minute podcast. You can skip it now, I guess. Yeah, so let's talk about Glassdoor interview ratings, right? This is very interesting because these are people who probably did not get the job. This is almost as good as exit interviews. And if you're doing exit interviews or you're doing kind of like post-interview uh, 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 surveys to say, you know, what did you think the process was like? Make sure to ask questions about things like, was what you saw in the interview aligned with what you saw going in? Meaning, if the career site and the job description talked about how you are a mission-driven company, and the person walks in for the interview, and everybody they talk to never seemed to mention the mission-driven part, they're going to ding you. And that is authenticity. You can make all the claims you want. Well, I wouldn't say all, but you should make a handful, a very small handful, and back them up. And then when they show up to the interview, you should trust the fact that they've done their due diligence, that they've read some of your career site, that they've read the job posting, that they maybe looked at your social media and Glassdoor and Google and all the other good places we want them to look, right? And they've gone, okay, I have mentally created a picture of what I think this company is all about and what they're looking for. Great, great, good talent does that almost every single time because they want to be informed. They want to know. They don't want to be told. They want to go find. Now, having learned all that, having created that perception, that picture in their mind, is that picture backed up in any way, shape, or form in the interview process, i.e. the place where 98% of all information about a job gets revealed? No. <laughs> you have an authenticity problem, my friend. Mon frere, you have a big issue. That is to say, if you make claims and you're not showing how those claims are true, everything you've said up until this point is suspect, and that candidate is far more likely to just walk the hell away. Simple as that. They got choices. They got places to be. They don't have to stand for your BS. They can just walk, generally. At least the good ones can, right? That's the trick. If you're going to make some claims, and again, you should, you need to find ways to back it up. Now, there are a lot of different ways to do that. You can say, hey, someone in the interview loop is designated to mention the concept that we're a mission-driven company, if that's in fact what you're all about, if that's your claim. Then they should be armed with a story that says that's true. Now, in this day and age, 
given how insanely low the bar is, that's enough. That is all it takes to back up and bolster and validate and verify the claims you're making on the career site and the job postings. That's mostly enough. There are a handful of places that's not enough. You're hiring a CEO, you're going to need more than one story. Most other people, just the indication that, yes, we know we made that claim. Yes, we actually believe that claim. Yes, I have a story that proves that we actually believe that claim. Good. Check. Next question. Right? That's all you got to do. And by going into your Glassdoor interview ratings, you're going to see people say things like, look, they, t- they made all sorts of claims and then they didn't back it up. Or the company I walked in and talked to didn't sound at all like the company on their website or the company I talked to from the recruiter. Anything that smacks of broken and misaligned expectations in the interview offer stage is a big, hairy, red flag. Ew, that's disgusting. A hairy red flag? Just don't. Don't picture it too much. Just don't. Don't do that. Is a big, obvious red flag that you have an authenticity problem. Now, the best thing about authenticity problems is that a perceived authenticity problem is not actually the same as a real authenticity problem. At no point am I saying, are you full of it? It just sounds like you are. It just sounds like some marketing person, hi, how you doing, has made some really lovely claims on the front end to get me to be interested in a thing, but then can't back it up. It's not that they can't back it up. It's just that you forgot and you didn't designate a non-recruiter to back it up. And by the way, the fact that it's coming from a non-recruiter is where that, that really takes some real credibility, right? That's some real authenticity right there. If the recruiter says X and the hiring manager also says X, guess what? Good indication. X is true. So that's how I would look for it. So that's how I would wonder and evaluate whether my or your employer brand is working. It's not a a huge test. It's not a complicated system. But to me, if you think about employer brand is a, the value of employer brand is differentiation. And if you have a different value, I'd love to hear it. That would be an interesting conversation you and I could have on some sort of, I don't know, electronic forum, perhaps in a Twitter or LinkedIn chat, whatever, right? If the value of employer brand is a function of differentiation, how do you differentiate? Well, you are clear in your differentiation. You extend that differentiation message out to as many people, appropriate people as possible, and then you back that thing up. You say that it's true. You prove that it's true. It's validation. It's authenticity, right? That's the trick. Now, like I said, if any one of those things is broken, the whole thing's broken. But once you break it down to pieces, you start to realize, ah, our problem is that we're not clear. Or, oh man, our problem is that we need to extend the reach. Or, oh boy, we talk a whole lot of stuff and then we don't back it up. We have an authenticity problem. Great, great. You've actually winnowed down and narrowed down the problem. Now you know can figure out how to solve the damn thing. Trust me, you are light years ahead of where you were 25 minutes ago. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I appreciate it. I forgot to mention it. There's some news coming at the end of the month uh, about the podcast. Don't worry. I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to be this guy. I'm still going to be the Deadpool of employer brand podcasting. Yeah, I said it again. I guess it must be real. Thanks, Dominic, by the way, uh, for putting that in my head. Uh, The content's still going to keep coming, but uh, just some changes. And I want to kind of let you know what's coming, but I want to get things nailed down first. So thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week or hear from you next week or you'll hear from me next week or... Can I stop talking now? That's a great idea. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. 
If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.